Welcome to the podcast of Midtown Church OKC, a church of the Nazarene. We are a spiritual community of hope and transformation that lives the way of Jesus. We want to develop real relationships and have real conversations, so we would love to hear from you. Find information about our worship services, email a pastor, follow our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and find out how to be a part of our community by visiting our website, midtownchurchokc.org. Whatever you choose to read scripture on, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we will begin reading together in verse 11. I invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word together. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 18. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body, On the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so together we say, thanks be to God. In 1964, Paul McCartney of the Beatles was fooling around with a melody that he had developed while he was, he says that he was asleep when this came to him in a dream. And for a year, the lyrics that he had of this tune, all that he had for this tune were the lyrics, scrambled eggs. And although he loved this tune, his delay on developing the lyrics was driving the rest of the members of the band crazy. It was so frustrating for them because he wouldn't take time and just finish the song. So because he was so aggravated, George Harrison said, he's always talking about that song. You'd think he was like Beethoven or something. So as of today, no other song has been covered more ever than this song. And so I want you to see and listen to it. That song used to make little girls cry right there. Makes me want to cry, even think about it. Yesterday is this song. It's a song of struggle 
and it's a song of complication that today brings. And while yesterday was easy, today is hard. Yesterday, he says, if only I could go back to yesterday. Yesterday, all my troubles were so far away. Now it looks as if they're here to stay. And then he has this great little line. Oh, I believe in yesterday. That's like a lot of people. A lot of people believe in yesterday. They think about the past and they want what once was. And there's some kind of a nostalgia about yesterday. People seem to remember only the good times in their past. But Lent is the season of real life, and it tells us the truth about our real lives. And if we hear the truth about our real lives, even our past, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we even really want to go back? In Ephesians, St. Paul, the apostle, has a more realistic view of yesterday. He has a more Lenten view than Sir Paul McCartney does. He doesn't look on yesterday with nostalgia. He doesn't look on yesterday as if it was ideal. He doesn't even look at yesterday with hope. Paul starts out in our text with this statement. Remember that you who were once Gentiles by birth... You used to be called the uncircumcised by those who called them the circumcision. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. Yesterday you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and you were without God in the world. Now, in this room where we've got a lot of kids, it is unnecessary for us to discuss all the medical aspects of circumcision, especially when we've decided to keep them here. But it's important for us, it's important for everyone to know that way, way back in the day, circumcision was this physical marker that indicated who was in and who was out. And you heard Jason a few minutes ago. It's no fun being left out. Nobody wants to be left out. But it's even worse than that, this, this marker. It, it's a mark on the body so that those in power, like, you know, big bullies, could declare to the world those who belonged to God and those who did not. If you fit into the categories, if you fit into one of those categories, God's promise could never be extended to you. If you were a Gentile out, a woman out, and if you fit into one of these you're out. We have physical markers as well. Racism, ageism, sexism, these are all physical markers that some declare who's in and who's out. Now, in the Old Testament, circumcision was to be this sign of covenant that God had extended to his children, but it soon became this physical marker that was no longer a sign of of divine goodness and promise, but it became a sign of superiority. And Paul says to these Gentile readers, remember yesterday. It was a day when you Ephesian Gentiles did not belong, and there's nothing worse than not belonging. Maybe, maybe that's why we're so quick to forget once we're secured in a place of belonging. Maybe that's why Dr. Seuss wrote a book It's kind of like Ephesians chapter 2. It's called the Sneetches. You read this book before? He wrote it so that people wouldn't forget what it feels like to be left out. It goes like this. Now, the star-bellied Sneetches, 
had bellies with stars, and the plain-bellied sneeches had none upon ours. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. You wouldn't think such a thing would matter at all, but because they had stars, all the star-bellied sneeches would brag we're the best kind of sneech on the beach- beaches. And with snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort and we'll have nothing to do with the plain-bellied sort. And whenever they met some, when they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. And when the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain, be- could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You could only play if your belly had stars and the plain-bellied children had none upon theirs. When the star-bellied sneeches had frankfurter roasts or picnics or parties or marshmallow toast, they never invited the plain-bellied sneeches. They left them out cold in the dark on the beaches. They kept them away, never let them come near, and that's how they treated them year after year. If you're a kid in the room today, I've got some questions for you. Just just some basic questions. Have you ever felt left out? Has anyone ever just been mean to you? Have you ever felt lonely or isolated or perhaps all by yourself? Has anybody ever been mean to you because they've said, you've got the cheese touch? If you don't know what the cheese touch is, you need to ask fourth grader. Has anybody ever called you names because of what you look like or something you did? Now, adults, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your yesterday. Because troubles were not that far away yesterday. And adults, you could, we could ask you the same kinds of questions. And some things happened to you way back in your yesterday that are still very fresh in your minds today. Some of us as adults go see pastors or counselors or therapists because of some of the hurts that that we once experienced in our yesterdays. Some of us carry some pretty deep pains because of yesterday. Some were peer-related. We didn't fit in among our peers. Some were family-related. The family was, our families were kind of dysfunctional. Some were religious and nothing is worse than religious trauma and religious hurt. And St. Paul reminds the Ephesians that there was this religious symbol, circumcision. It was a physical marker of those that belonged and those that did not. It represented religious and social acceptance, and those who did not meet the standard, well, they were out. And Paul says that yesterday was so harsh, and we long for safety so deeply that what we do is We build great barriers between one another. These forms of outcasts that we felt when we were children, they're difficult, and they can can leave wounds that last a really long time. And now, even for those of us who are adults, when we feel rejected or when we feel hurt, we build these barriers of hostility, he calls them, by responding in anger and violence, or we withdraw from others, or we manipulate or ostracize or ignore or blackmail or gossip or point fingers or even lie. Paul calls these barriers of hostility. 
And he says that yesterday, you and I were spiritually dead. Yesterday was not good. You and I, we once followed the ways of this world and Satan and even the lust of the flesh. Yesterday, you and I were without Christ. We had no covenant relationship with God. We had no hope, and we actually did not know God at all. Yesterday, we were strangers to God, and yesterday, we were not only in the dark, we were dead darkness. Yesterday, all our troubles were not far away. Yesterday, there were no stars upon ours. But then Paul, the apostle, calls us to remember something that seems very simple. He calls us to do something And he says, I want you to remember. I want you to think about yesterday. And when we think about yesterday, sometimes we remember the hurt, or sometimes we remember the rejection, or sometimes we remember when we were ostracized. But Paul doesn't want us to remember that stuff. He wants us to remember that God went and did something about that stuff. And when the old covenant failed and the sign of the promise of God failed, God gave us a new sign in Jesus and established a brand new covenant, one that wasn't designed for the prettiest or the most handsome or the wealthiest among us. Instead, it was a covenant of promise that is extended to everyone. No longer do the barriers of hostility hold us down, Paul says. He says, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to remember that today is different. I've told you on several occasions that the little church that I grew up in when I was young has now become one of the most important places in my life. Not because it was so great, but because it was such a crazy, weird, almost dysfunctional place. Just to let you know, I, I just, from a young age, I just thought I was better than all those people. I'm not sure why, but I just thought I was. I, looking back, what I was doing was I was just creating a barrier, a barrier of hostility between me and those people. I remember that Pauline went to my church. She was this woman in my church, and her parents were dead, and the only relative that she had was her twin brother. His name was Paul. Everybody in my sermon today except for Jesus is named Paul or Pauline. She had this really rough life. Uh, She worked in this limestone factory for minimum wage. She lived in this little apartment where you couldn't even stand up straight because the ceiling was too low. And the highlight of her week was when she went to breakfast to get a breakfast uh, sandwich at Hardee's on a Saturday morning. Hardee's is like Carl's Jr. And instead of bringing her stuff in a bag or a purse, she carried all of her belongings in this Walmart sack, which she decided to ruffle through and right about the time that our pastor started preaching, that annoyed me to death. And I I, I didn't even really know her, but she just irritated me. She was old, her parents were dead, she had no friends. I was young, my parents provided everything that I had, and I had more friends than I had weekends. The only thing that Pauline and I had in common was that I played baseball, and she maybe had once heard of baseball. That was it. I remember this time when I was about in the fifth grade, I had 
three Christmases. Uh, we had Christmas with Grandpa, Grandpa and Grandma Lois. They came to our house on the one side. We had a Christmas. After they left, Mama and Papa from the other side came. We had a Christmas. And then finally had a Christmas with my mom and my dad and my brothers. And I remember getting everything that I wanted on my Christmas list. But I can't remember a single thing that was on that list. I can't remember one item that I had gotten for that Christmas except for the item Pauline gave me. On the Sunday after Christmas, I had this, you know, Christmas hangover. I was, I was all bloated from all the stuff. And that's when Pauline walked up to me after the service. And I don't, I don't remember everything that she said to me, but I do remember the strange thing that she did. She apologized. She came up to me and she said, um... I am so sorry that I could not get you a gift for Christmas. But I want you to know how important you are to us as a church. And I now have a gift for you. And then she grabbed my hand and shoved something into my hand. And when I looked, it was a small bag of peanut M&Ms. And I learned later that that was the only gift that Pauline had received on Christmas. A friend at Hardy's had given it to her. St. Paul says this. He goes, hey, you know what Jesus did? He took this wall of hostility and he tore it down. He took his wall that we used to keep one another at a distance and he ripped it apart and he repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he decided to start all over again and instead of continuing with two groups separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everyone. Christ brought us together through, the death, through his death on the cross and the cross got us to embrace one another and that was the end of hostility, period. Jesus on the cross smashes down the barriers of hostility and he does it through sacrificial love. As Pauline gave me everything, so he gives everything as well. And when you have this sign like circumcision, a a sign of a mangled body that fails, Jesus' mangled body didn't. You know what? This is, this is crazy. I'm, not, I'm here to tell the truth. Do you know what Pauline's last name was? Barrier. Her name was Pauline Barrier. In her yesterday, her whole life was about barriers of hostility. She had lived in her yesterday a life of trauma and rejection. Barriers of hostility were built up all around her. Her parents never thought much of her. 
Her twin brother, Paul, treated her terrible. She wasn't a prominent member of our community or my town like my family was. But I remember this about Pauline. I remember Pauline often, often talking about Jesus being her fulfillment. I remember Pauline talking about how Jesus had met her and he took a hold of her and he welcomed her into his family. And I remember Pauline saying these words. I remember her saying that Jesus came and he saved her. And I didn't know what that meant then, but I do now. It means that Jesus had decided to destroy the barriers in her life. The family dysfunction and the poverty and the trauma that she had experienced. And he took that and then he drew her to himself. He actually entered into her space and he welcomed her into his space. Remember what Lent is? Jesus in the middle of it all? And this is what she experienced. And then Pauline, after all of that, reached over this barrier that this spoiled fifth grade brat had established, and she gave him everything he, she had in order to make sure that he knew that he was loved. And she welcomed him into her family. This is the season of Lent. And Lent is the story that reminds us that there is a better story than the one that we have been currently living And today our community learns and is formed in and we become living instruments of the peace of God. Lent is the season by which Jesus gets into the middle of it all. He gets into the trauma and the dysfunction and the rejection. He gets into the religious oppression and he gets into the pain and he enters those places of our lives and he extends God's new covenantal promises and he destroys those barriers of hostility. And when we gather here and worship every single week, we are reminded of a story of a God who is passionate, so passionate that this God will destroy these barriers. We, we learn about a God who is so passionate that he longs for justice for the poor, and he has deep gut-wrenching concern for widows and orphans and refugees, and he's jealously protective of the vulnerable in the world. And when we come here, we hear this story about this God in order to be a part of the great deeds of God, to participate in God's justice and God's mercy and God's compassion and God's forgiveness. And as we've said earlier, God's endless generosity. This is what we do. Christian worship It connects us to this story. It connects us to the biblical stories of feeding, welcoming, sheltering, and caring. These scenes that vividly reveal who God is now and who we are called to be as well. Yesterday was not very good, but today. I want you to remember today. Today I want you to know that it's new. Today I don't want you to forget that it's different. Today, I don't want you to forget that you belong. There are now stars upon ours. Today is a really good day. And you are invited to be a part of what God is doing. Through his mangled body and his blood spilled out, The barriers of hostility have been destroyed. You belong to God. You belong to St. Paul.
you belong to Pauline. And because of Jesus through her, you get to belong to me. This is what happens when we come to this table. We find that we have a place to belong. When we come to this table, we find that we belong to one another. This is what takes place. I want to let you know that at dinner, on the night before Jesus was betrayed, he sat with people, people who had only known a life of hostility, some criminals, some with outstanding warrants, one that would turn around and betray him to murderers. He sat with them at this table. And do you know what he called them? Friends. He said, you are my friends. And everything I've got, I'm going to give to you. And as a result, the barriers of hostility have been broken. So Jesus, after dinner, gave thanks. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And whenever you eat it, I want you to remember. And then in the same way, after supper, he held up the cup and he declared to his friends, this cup is the new covenant that comes in my mangled body and my blood. And whenever you drink this, I want you to remember. Remember, yesterday is done and today is new. I want to invite you to this table. This is Jesus' table. And all who are open to belong to Jesus and belong to one another are open to this. uh, If you're open, you are invited to this table. All who are open to the good work of God that comes in Christ as he gave his body and blood for us are welcome. And I want you to know that we want no barriers. So... We make it as easy as possible to come to this table. Repent and then come. Walk in Jesus' way and then come to this table. I want you to know that in order that all can come who would like to, our bread is gluten-free and our wine is non-alcoholic. But I want you to come down the center aisle with your hands cupped, ready to receive that which is good and that which comes from God. Here at this church, we do not take communion. We receive it because we have been receivers of God's good gifts. And this is a gift that we want to receive together. So come to this table, hands cupped. Allow one of these servers to serve you. Listen to what they have to say. Then dip the bread into the cup and eat it. And if for any reason you are unable to walk down our center aisle or you need assistance, please just wave your hand to Justin and he will come and he will bring the elements to you. You are my brothers and my sisters. The barriers of hostility have been broken down and today is new. I'd like to invite you to come whenever you